Hayres, you know I wear multiple hats. So many hats. Right? I wear the husband hat, the father hat, the Impex hat. Yep. I also wear the single cast nation hat. You sure do. That's a big hat. And it is a big hat. I was told it's a good size. And I've <laughs> got to tell you, there are more whiskeys coming from Single Cask Nation in later 2022, early 2023. What? I'm not lying. Babe, are you lying to me right now? I feel like I just said we're not lying. Right. You just said that. Yeah. So we've got Scotch whiskey. Yes. We've got rum. Babe. French brandy. What? I know. It won't stop. Whoa. Yeah. So keep an eye out for it. Later 2022, early 2023, more single cast nation hitting your store shelves. Fantastic. We're proud to have Impex as our importers. And Impex is a proud sponsor of what? Cask Chasers Podcast. Cask Chasers Podcast. Yeah, I did you it. You did it. <laughs> hey, it's me, Mike Rowe, with some advice. Pour a dram. Settle in. This is the Cask Chasers Podcast podcast for crying out loud and everybody's thirsty All right, Cast Chasers, uh, I am here hanging out with uh, some guy you may have heard of, maybe not, I don't know. Um, you know me, I try to bring you the best entertainment, whiskey news, whiskey information. It's a uh, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Oh my God, um, really? I'm, that's, I'm that's sure, what we're I'm do? sure. Right out of the gate. Good. I don't have a law, I don't have a legal team, so if you're coming <laughs> at me, just know you're not getting much. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. No, man. thank it's... you. Thank you for bringing us. Thank you for giving me a reason to have you on my show. Well, have you have you been in this tasting room before? Absolutely. Oh yeah, we're in another plug here. We're okay. at Drug City, yeah. uh, Baltimore, Maryland. If you haven't been, people fly in yeah. from all all over the U.S. to come here. Well, um, I grew up not far from here, but I hadn't walked in here, I don't think ever until a month ago. And uh, for people listening who haven't been in here, I, I don't even know how to sum it up. But I, but I just said to somebody downstairs, it's the only place I know of where you can get a shingles shot, a shot of bourbon, an adult diaper, and a crab cake. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's right there in front of you. I mean, it's, it's really just a, an homage to transactional capitalism. And then uh, upstairs uh, of this garbage can that Mike just described, <laughs> um, there is a speakeasy that's... Uh, probably one of the most beautiful ones I've been in. So uh, the owner, George, uh, members of his team like Mike, uh, not Mike Rowe, the other Mike. That's what we call him. Whiskey Mike. Mike whiskey think. Mike. Yeah. Um, they uh, they put a lot of love into whiskey. And uh, Cast Chasers has been lucky enough to do some events up here before. Well, yeah. I'll tell you. Let me tell you about Whiskey Mike. I mean, I, I don't know him well, but this is like the third or fourth time we've crossed paths. And when we started launching Noble, uh you know, I'm new to the game, right? And I'm, I'm not really sure how it's played, but it, 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 it seemed to me the thing to do was to talk to the people who were truly on the front line. You know, not necessarily bartenders or restaurant owners, who we talk to, of course, but the people who run the liquor stores. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, because oh, yeah. they're not just, they don't just know what they're talking about. They're, they're entrepreneurs and they're, and they're business people and, they, and they're open to doing anything that works. So... You know, he tried it. He liked it. Mike did. And I signed a bunch of bottles and they sold out. And then he said, uh, 
I might get some more. And I said, all right, well, I'd be happy to sign him, but I, I'm leaving town. This guy loads up, I don't know, 10 cases in his SUV, finds me in downtown Baltimore, and I'm standing on the streets of downtown Baltimore signing bottles yeah. for this, this giant gangly dude with this beard called Whiskey Mike. And I'm thinking, I love this business, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We're, it's one of the only industries that have a law enforcement agency designed <laughs> to watch it, but they don't seem to be watching it. So yeah. I think there's that much love. You yeah, know? yeah. And God bless the ATF, but they don't, they don't seem to care. Um, they're more focused on the tobacco side of things, and I'm not in that industry. So you make... Different you, show. Yeah, a different show, which I have, nighttime. You have a great whiskey here. And I, I can tell you, Mike, the, I'm going to use a term I hate, and it's celebrity whiskey. Mm -hmm. We're going to get past that real quick. In the world of whiskey enthusiasts, celebrity whiskeys are hit or miss. Sure. Um, it's about who's behind the whiskey. It's yep. about does the person creating it and, you know, that are the ambassador of it, do they really care or is it a money grab? Uh, it's both, hopefully, because I don't want you to go broke. Thank you. Um, right. You need it. I know. Um, but the whiskey's got to be good and yep. it's got to be cared for. It's got to be taken care of. These guys and gals that drink whiskey are fair there's not a lot of competition everybody likes everybody you're not going to see makers mark hating on jim beam right sure. but they're the first to let you know if it's not good you can't very honest yeah well you can't bs them right no no I no, mean, no. There, there, there is they see through it yes and yeah. and i'm glad they do because the celebrity end of anything is always just a, a cesspool it's just a miasma of stuff and you're right label slaps happen all the time in a thousand different right. ways the uh the label on this is important to me. It's, it's my granddad. Uh, Carl Noble uh, was my neighbor um, <laughs> all my life growing up. A little farm in uh, Baltimore County, and he lived next door. And he was my pop. He was the inspiration for Dirty Jobs and the foundation I, I run today. He only, uh, he only had girls, and when he died, I think his name died with him. I can't find Nobles anywhere, but K-N-O-B-E-L. He spelled it weird. And... Uh, you know, when Dirty Jobs came back, it's his 20th year now, mm -hmm. we were like, I'd, I'd like to put his name on something that is great. And coincidentally, I mean, not to bore you with the origin story, oh. but I didn't... Thank you for not. Anyway, I, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just say because it, it, it makes, like, when I hear celebrities talk about, you know, so we spent years and we sat down and we and we conducted tests and we and we, you know, grew a special kind of corn and then a special kind of wheat. And then we just agonized for years and years. And then we put it in a barrel for like five years. And I'm like, did you really? Because that's not how it happened for me. You know, I got a call from a friend who said, look, we've got some really great five year old juice that's been in the barrel down in uh, Columbia, Franklin, Tennessee. And uh lockdowns you know some deal fell through and somebody who was supposed to buy it didn't so it was available and I said if I like it I'll I'll take it I thought it'd be a good way to raise money for the foundation to yeah. start and put the old man's name on something decent I and, think that's beautiful well I was prepared to like it I you know I wanted to like it but I did not think I'd love it and I did and so that's it for me that was like it, it was that fast and so yeah, on the one hand, I'm not a connoisseur of bourbon. I'm all about the aesthetics of it. Can I, can I tell you, how do I say this? Let me tell you how to do your job. Okay, yeah. good. Is that arrogant? No, we no, just no. met. We no, just no, met. no, it's, I appreciate it. So, um, I, uh, thanks, thanks everyone. No, we could probably trade notes, because yeah. I've never done podcasting before. Yeah, yeah, I'd like yeah. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, and that's the way yeah, I heard yeah. it. That's good. That's good. Wasn't the audience supposed to uh, just keep it down? Um, anyway, you don't take his side. No, uh, I, 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 I have a shtick on my show where I hate on Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's playful. I have, we all have a negative background with Jack Daniels. If you've ever been to college or in the Marine Corps like I was or military or whatever, Jack Daniels was there sure. and wasn't necessarily your best friend or v- vice versa. So finally I had, I thought, you know what? I'm not being fair to my industry. So I had the head ambassador for uh, Jack Daniels on, gentleman named E.T., great guy. And we drank whiskey together and he said, I'm not going to, ma- I can't make you like it but I can tell you the story behind it. Yeah. And then you can fall in love with that. And right. then hopefully from there you like our whiskey, which is exactly what happened. Mike, your job, I think, in my opinion, is to be a storyteller because that's what whiskey is. You said something in your, um, a quote from you in your book at the very, the intro. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase here because I have a terrible memory. Your job, you want to tell stories that people have to be late for to hear the end to, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started right. It was it, it was the old Paul Harvey yes, model. Yeah, uh, right. Paul Harvey Jr. did a thing called the rest of the story, and uh, you know it was a it was a fun way to come out of biography because you learn things you didn't know about someone you do, mm-hmm. and you get to figure out who he's talking about along the way. And I wrote that because in she's must have been nineteen eighty four, I was sitting at BWI parking lot late for a flight, but I couldn't get out of the car. Like, my ass was stuck to the seat because I, Paul Harvey hadn't yet said, and now you know the yeah. rest of the story, right? Yeah. I had to wait for that, yeah. and I wound up missing my flight, so. Well, you've tortured me with your, that's Good. the way I've heard it, for the Good. same reasons, going to work, and I had to hear that John Wayne did that. Okay, John yeah. Wayne, there it is. Um, but that's what whiskey is, man. It's a story. It's, sure. it's a It's a story that we, it's this right here. It's a group of friends, people sitting around drinking it, and learning about the love, compassion, and everything there is behind it. That's what makes makes whiskey. Because let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a secret. Whiskey doesn't necessarily just taste good. It's ethanol. Right. It's, it's poison. You have to make it taste good, and you can only do that by tricking our monkey brains into thinking there's some beautiful story behind it. And storytellers like you that really give a damn about the people making it, the working man and woman who are out there in the trenches uh, doing the things they're supposed to do and working hard to do it. So that's what your job is, well, in my opinion. Well, I hope that's I hope that's okay. No, it's definitely my job. Yeah. What, whether or not I do it uh, well is, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, opinions vary. But you know, uh, Lance Armstrong wrote a book uh, years ago called um, "It's Not About the Bike." Say what you will about Lance; it's a pretty good book. And I feel the same way about about whiskey. It's 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 not about the mash bill. It's mm. not about a lot of the things that people make it about it's about the fellowship and it's about the making of the thing and like here's a cool story since you brought it up i'll give you the short version these boots i'm wearing ah yes are made by a company in michigan called wolverine Mm. and they use the exact same these are called thousand milers and it's the same pattern that they were using in 1870 right all it is is hand-stitched horween leather and they do it by hand, and it's bespoke, I think the term would be. And a couple years ago, um, I started talking to them about ways to raise money for my foundation. And they said, what do you think of this? We know Julian Van Winkle, mm. right? So what if we get a cask 
of pappy, just the cask, not the juice, and we'll take it and we'll just carve it out and we'll build a heel stack in these boots made of that cask. So here in the heel, you just there's this little chunk of wood in between it. That's an old Pappy Van Winkle cask. That's incredible. Right. But my point is, it's not a whiskey story, and it's not a boot story. It's both stories smashed together, right? And you've got Americans making great stuff yeah. in two very different parts of the country in two very, very different ways. But all of a sudden, they come together. Yeah. So there's, there's something in that. I love that. That attracted me to this whole crazy business. And dude, this is a crazy business. I'm oh. still learning, but every state, new laws here, three-tiered systems. Blood, right. I mean, your listeners know all of that. But. I mean, it's, it's, it gets deeper, too. It's you know sticking on the whole worker side of it. It's the farmers. It's where does the grain come from? Part yeah. of the pitch is, you know, our water is from X cave out of X stream sure. from X farmer. And all these people are involved, and it goes in the bottle, and then, you know, the hope is that some college kid gets smitten. No, it, the hope <laughs> is that, you know, that people sit around, drink it, and have a great time. But, again, that's – I have a podcast about whiskey. Yeah. And when I started this with by myself with no help um, – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the people that start my, – my friend Scott uh, and season one director is in the room. Scott, how are you? Um, he's not allowed to talk. He doesn't get a mic anymore. But um, – didn't but, he quit all this and like start a yeah, family or something? Yeah, he got a family, had a baby, blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's I've got four son. kids, yeah. and they're not here, and I'm not there, but, you know, yeah. that's well. a whole different show. <laughs> that's called Dr. Phil. Um, I forgot where I was going. I was on a tangent there. My, my point is, when I started a podcast about whiskey, it was just a bunch of friends sitting together talking about our favorite spirit. Through that, I learned there are enthusiast groups. Drug stores have speakeasies upstairs. Um People are getting on the bandwagon of, in a good way, of putting their name on a bottle, holding a bottle that means something to them. Yeah. You know, if I bought this before this interview, it would have tasted great. This is a great whiskey, by the way. Who agrees? It's, it's, it tastes phenomenal. So cheers to that. Just this conversation with you, hanging out with you, who, I'll be honest with you, I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you noticed You're that. You're not that big. The, yeah. I've seen enormous fans. Well, according to my doctor, according to my doctor, it's morbidly obese, which, and that's my dentist, so I don't even know why that's, um, one has to do with the other, but, uh, you know, he's fired. Um, but it, it's going to taste even better now. It's going to be... A, well, there's a story. There's always a story behind the story. There's a spirit to it. Ah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's, you know, you, you, you talk about Jack Daniel, and now all of a sudden you got Uncle Nearest, mm. right? And yeah, the story goes deeper. Yeah. Next level, next level, next level. Um, and the way all of that, like, back to the, the connoisseurship thing and, and, and back to the, the layers that you find when you keep peeling it back. Yeah, suddenly there's a tasting room in a place called Drug City that most people don't know exists where all this stuff happens. And because you have a podcast on the topic, you can take a deep, 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 deep dive, mm. right? And you can talk about the features and the benefits and all of that stuff. And that's, that's all great. But there's also this other giant thing. It's like with wine too, right? Mm. Like how deep do you want to go? Do you want to talk about terroir? Do you, do you want to talk about the climate? Do you yeah. want to talk all the different things yeah. that affected all the different ingredients? I think that's great. In fact, I did a show uh, a few years ago called Somebody's Got to Do It, 
where people just like you were encouraged to geek out just like you do, take deep, deep dives on very specific things. But whiskey is one of those few things that allows you to do that and at the same time offers this huge appeal. So many different ways to enjoy it. So many different ways to love it. Your listeners probably know this. There's a Walker Percy was a famous Southern writer, uh, contemporary of Faulkner, and he was invited um, in 1975 to write an article for um, Esquire. They were featuring the best of America, right? So there are these great essays by the great writers of the day on everything from apple pie to cars. So Walker Percy is hired to write something called Bourbon Neat. And uh, it starts with a great sentence. Uh, I am not a connoisseur of bourbon. And then he goes on for 2,000 words to explain why he likes it. In fact, I got a picture on my phone. I, took a, I was looking at it coming over, knowing that we were probably going to talk about this or something like this. And there's a great line where he talks about how so many people think, hey, Mary, do you have my glasses? I'm blind as a mole over here. You guys got that right on film? Of course you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want the raw, real mic. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is, this is such a great line. And the guy who makes my whiskey actually quoted this during dinner, right? We were having the same conversation about, you know, the difference between a connoisseur and just a dilettante who loves it. And he's, he's talking about, um, well, here, I'll just read it to you. If I should appear to be suggesting that such a man proceed as quickly as possible to anesthetize his cerebral cortex by ingesting ethyl alcohol, then the point is being missed, or part of the point. For the joy of bourbon drinking is not the pharmacological effect of C2H5OH on the cortex, but rather the instance of the whiskey being knocked back and the little explosion of Kentucky USA sunshine in the cavity of the nasopharynx and the hot bosky bite of Tennessee summertime. Aesthetic considerations to which the effect of the alcohol is, if not dispensable, at least secondary. Wow. So, yeah. he says it better yeah. than I can. I don't know. That but, was, but, I, but I know, I know that he wasn't a baritone, so I don't think he can. No, but he was. He had a yeah, high... Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, he was very Southern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, very Southern. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's sexy to hear that, and I believe it. I say it at Thanksgiving, and I'm never invited again, but you say it, and it's gold. But it's, mm. it's the absolute truth. It's, that's what it is. It's the... You don't have to be a con. Look, I'm not a connoisseur. I don't make whiskey. Um, it's illegal, first off. So if the ATF <laughs> is listening, I don't make it at home. I make distilled water mm. and essential oils. And label it. Yeah. Good. Anyway, um, but I don't make it, but I talk about it. I love it. I'm, I'm passionate about it. I feel the same way with you and the respect of putting, you know, Pop's name on. Uh, can I call him Pop's? Is you can that, call is him that Pop, fine? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That um, friendly. Yeah. Um, on the bottle and then taking this and bringing it to the people that appreciate it. You know, welcome to the fold. You're part Thanks. of the family. And I think that's, you know, I, what I said to I've interviewed other celebrity quotation mark um, whiskey people. And there's a lot out there and I haven't. I, some I don't talk to, you know, who you are, um, that aren't caring, that don't care. They are just putting their name, white labeling, if you will. Sure. But your micro, you know, TV personality and now your micro, you know, whiskey connoisseur as far as we're concerned. So welcome to the family, Mike. Thanks. Um, 
no, thank you for the for the uh, for the gold, the liquid gold. Um, that's a term you'll learn. We we call it that sometimes. Um, Mike, tell See, me. See, that's weird, dude, because we got a term on dirty jobs called white gold, yeah, which yeah, does not yeah. refer to whiskey yes. at all. But if you've ever seen any artificial insemination episodes, yeah. dirty jobs, hmm. then you're familiar with the white gold. Yeah. My grandfather had a cattle ranch, so unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah. 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 Uh, until yeah. you're hanging on to a bull by that part, yeah. and until you got a styrofoam cup in the other hand. Yeah. And when you watch that rancher turn the knob to send that electric current going through the thing, through the probe, and hitting the prostate, until you try and catch that which flies out the business end of the aforementioned yeah. bull, and until you hear the cowboy going, don't drop it, that's precious white gold, Mac. Well, then, yeah. then, you know, that, then we don't really have a basis for a conversation, I'm afraid. No. Every time I have a good steak, that's the story I'm going to think of. Mm. Um, so I believe you. that'd be the Bernays sauce yeah, you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we digress. Um, yes, we do. Tell me about the charity. Tell me about um, the organization and tell me why, you know, why is work, this is a, uh, let's, let's utilize the whiskey industry as our metaphor to keep on brand. Sure. Why is work important? Well, I mean, there's no easy way- question. Yeah. I mean, I threw you a softball. <laughs> it's, it's almost too easy. I mean, it's because it's basically a byproduct of, agriculture which of course is another word for farming Mm. which is the very definition of of hard work um on a personal level this all happened the charity the show it it does go back to carl noble all right here's the i'll try and jam a bunch of stuff together i was certain that i was going to follow in the footsteps of my pop Mm. my pop built the house i was born in without a blueprint he'd take your watch apart put it back together, blindfolded, fix a combine, do whatever. He could fix or repair anything. Only went to the seventh grade. But by the time he was 30, he was an electrical contractor, electrical inspector. Um, He was a plumber, a steam fitter, a pipe fitter, a welder, all that stuff. Anyhow, my plan was to follow in his footsteps. The handy gene is... uh, which you call recessive, tragically. <laughs> and um, I just didn't get his natural talent, mm. right? So long story short, he was the guy, Carl Noble, who said, look, you can be a tradesman if you want. You can work like a tradesman. Just get a different toolbox. So I went to Essex Community College, and I studied a bunch of stuff I didn't think I would like. And uh, then I went to work for a little while, and I went to Towson University and studied some more stuff, got the toolbox together, and it turned out to be a uh, sort of a, an entertainment toolbox. I, I sang, I wrote, I started narrating shows for the National Geographic, you know, and, um, and that's what kind of got me started, and that's the road I went down. And I stayed on that road till I was 42, and then I got a phone call from my mother. I was working at CBS in San Francisco, hosting a terrible little show nobody watched called Evening Magazine, and, uh, That's how I know you. From Evening Magazine? No. That's so weird, dude. No, I've never yeah, no, you, no one's seen. <laughs> Evening Magazine is one of those shows. Yeah, it used to be here in Baltimore, too. It, it came on after the evening news. And some it was, big fans in the audience. Yeah, I mean, people oh, remember okay. Evening. Yeah. It was um, Channel 13. Oh, my god. That's right. And I, was, uh, I didn't work on that production, but I went out to, uh, to San Francisco to host theirs. And, and so every night I would go to a, um, 
like a museum or a, or a winery or the opening of a play, right? And I would throw to these prepackaged stories mm. as a host. This is what I was doing. Anyhow, my mother calls me. I'm sitting in the cubicle one day at CBS, and she says, Michael, your grandfather turned 90 today, right? The guy, Carl Noble, mm -hmm. right? And she says, this is her exact, her exact line was, um, you know, I was just thinking, before he died, wouldn't it be terrific if he could turn on the TV and see you doing something that looked like work? <laughs> That's my mother, right? Yeah. So my mother hits me with that, and I'm mm. like, Jesus, that's, that's harsh. But, mm. you know, she's right. I mean, you know, my, my grandfather lived to see me do all sorts of things that had nothing to do with work as he knew it, right? And so I went into my boss, and I said, listen, why does evening always have to come from a, uh, you know, a winery and a museum? Why can't I host it from a construction site or a factory floor or a sewer? And he says, you want to host Evening Magazine from a sewer? I'm like, well, why not? I said other things before sewer, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, I take my cameraman. We go into the sewers of San Francisco, and we attempt to host a show. And what happens in that sewer is, is in the book you kindly mentioned. Mm. Um, I failed at every step to host the show. The rats, the chocolate tide of disappointment that washes over you when you're down there the smell you just can't work you can't I couldn't do my job so what I wound up doing is just working with the sewer inspector who was down there replacing bricks and while I talked to this guy as we worked my cameraman filmed the whole thing that turned into footage that went on the air that got me fired from evening magazine but but, I mean, people are sitting down to eat their meatloaf, right, at yeah. 7.30 at night, expecting to hear a heart-tugging story of some three-legged dog in Marin <laughs> overcoming canine kidney failure, and they get me, yeah. you know, crawling through a river of crap. And so that didn't work out for me uh, for CBS, but they let me take the footage. That became Dirty Jobs. Dirty Jobs Thank became God. a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question... Five years later, in 2008, Dirty Jobs was the number one show on cable, certainly on Discovery. It was Let's, in. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I it, was, mean it was. Come on. It, it, uh, you know, it, it became a thing. It, it launched dozens of other shows, and it was on in 180 countries. And I'd, I'd done well as a result of my mother telling me to do a job, you know, do something that looked like work, and so. The country was going into a recession. It was, it was 2009, 2008. And uh, my, my, Carl Noble had, had died at, by that point, but that was the beginning of the foundation. I'm like, wait a second. There are 10 million people unemployed, and there are 3 million jobs that nobody wants that are open, right? You know, it was basically all the dirty jobs, all the skilled trades. Right. So I just thought, why not make a, a case for those jobs? You know, if we can do some sort of positive PR for those kinds of jobs, the kind my, my pop did, well, maybe that would be a nice thing to do. And, and it was, and the foundation worked fine for a couple of years, and, um, and then it grew, and now we award work ethic scholarships uh, every year, a couple million bucks a year usually, uh, to people who do not want to go to a four-year school but would rather learn a skill that's in demand. Yeah. And so 
you know, it, it to me, like you said it before, it's a story, and and everything is connected. So, dirty jobs became somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it became returning the favor. Dirty jobs came back. The foundation was at the center of of all of that, and and now the whiskey kind of comes back around and gives me permission to talk about all those things at the same time. So that's a long rambly answer, but that's. That's how it happened. My I, mother called I me think and it's busted my balls to do something that yeah. looked like work. And, and you so did. I did. Yeah. I think I think it's a good thing to show. first off the show, you know, I'm 40 now, which is Yeah, good for you. Super young, right? Um, but I, 40. I yeah, yeah, you were there. You've been there. <laughs> yeah, um, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, you look good for whatever it is you mm-hmm. are. Um <laughs> Um, can I get another poor whiskey? Cause it's getting, yeah. no, um, actually I would like more whiskey. Who's got that bottle? Anyone? My love. So my son who's here tonight, um, watching a whiskey show cause that's the parent I am. Um, he doesn't drink it. So, because that's illegal. Um, he wants to go to school to be a mechanic. We teach in our, in our house. My, my oldest son wants to go to school, um, uh, for culinary. Um, I'll talk him out of it eventually. Um, Hey man, you got to eat. You got to eat. You know, I mean, that's that's a great example of a skill. It is. It's in demand. But my point, my point is it's, I've watched your, the the, the show Dirty Jobs myself and thought, I didn't even know that job existed. Right. If I were younger, I probably would have done that. And then there are jobs I watch and I'm like, I would have never, like, uh, I don't remember what the, uh, where you're cleaning, it was a dam and you had to climb inside the, Mm. yeah. That was a, that was a hurricane uh, right barrier. Right. Yeah, that nightmare I wouldn't do. But there yeah. was other, the plenty of things you did that I thought I would do that. And now it's cool to do to get your hands dirty. One of the things I love about segue back to spirits, back to whiskey, is if you ever do a tour of a distillery, the most humble people and the rock stars, from my point of view, the distillers, the the blenders, the the coopers, um, everyone they're they're always dirty physically. There's a there's a great distillery um, in New York, uh, Widow Jane, mm-hmm. and uh, our, our our friend uh, Lisa Wicker, who just left Widow Jane um, to go do other things. But we visit her distillery. We went in the back into the uh, Rick House, and we met. I wish I could remember his name. The gentleman that managed the Rick House he, in New York. It was cool out. I was wearing a hoodie, but he's in this Rick House, drenched in sweat, mud, and dirt, mm-hmm. and he's just out of. And I'm a visitor, and I'm dressed like this, and he's like, "Who are you? What? Why are you back here?" And I'm thinking, "Oh, I'm just taking a tour to see, uh, yeah. you know, focus, you know, to see the bears behind the cage." Um, but he was work. I mean, it, there was work that went into it, and I think that's okay. And I think. You know, not everybody needs to be the master distiller. Somebody's got to be the guy in the in the rickhouse or the girl in the workhouse, moving those barrels, tasting the barrels, mostly tasting the barrels. That's what I want to do. But other stuff needs to be done too. Sure. And I think shows like yours and focuses like that make it important. And I think stories about how this is made and why it's so special. I think that it, uh, enforces that too. Well, it just depends on who you want to hear that story from, right? right? I mean, there are a lot of people who can, you know tell the Jack Daniels story. There are a lot of people who can, uh, you can come at this thing from a thousand different angles, but for me, the thing I Forrest Gumped my way into and the thing that actually worked was getting that guy you just described in the hoodie. Mm. If you can get him to tell the story Mm. and if you can do it in a way that doesn't require casting or writing or second takes, it's really important. We never did a second take on Dirty Jobs. You know, we um, 
we were very careful to shoot that thing uh, in a way that let the viewer feel like they were a fly on the wall. Right. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I like that. Well, it's the opposite of production. Like, I had to have a production crew, and I had to do all the things that you have to do to make a TV show. But what allowed that show to stay in production for 20 years was something we called the, uh, the truth cam, which is really just a behind-the-scenes camera. Mm-hmm. But the idea was, look, I need somebody who shoots this whole thing wide all the time, who never stops. So when we have to put our cameras down or maybe there's a, a plane flies over or something screws up the take, I can always find the truth cam and tell the viewer what's happening right now. This is why we stopped, right? But I can also use that camera uh. to walk over to that guy in the hoodie who might be in the background and just pick his brain real quick and get his take on what's going on. So it was those moments with, that, with men like the guy you just described that allowed the show to feel really, really different. And, uh, and that's, that I think more than anything else is why it's, why it's still out there. And we've shot in distilleries. We, we, yeah. We've done a lot of that stuff. I did something up in Rhode Island, I think it was. Maybe it was Rhode Island. Was that I, the rum? It was rum. Mm. Yeah, did yeah. you see that one? Yes. Oh, when really, I say you, I'm a fan, I'm a fan, Mike. I know. Now yeah. you made it a little weird. Now, Anybody did else I, uncomfortable? Did I Google it right before this uh, interview? Maybe. Well, then, if you did, man, I haven't thought about that thing in, in, in 10 years, but there was something. I just watched it on the drive up here. Did you? Was there something called the Steinhardt? It ball? was a YouTube clips of the whole thing. Um, you basically, I don't remember that part. It's on my phone, though. Somebody grab my phone so Mike knows. Well, we got lying. mashed. We, I yeah. mean, literally, because there's a thing called, I think it's the Steinhardt Privilege. And it was an exemption to a law that said, look, you can't drink on the job unless you make booze. In which case, you kind of got it. Right. right? You got to sip. So the Steinhardt Privilege came out of, I want to say Germany. I'm probably wrong, but. But these guys exercise the privilege with extreme prejudice. I mean, and so by three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm 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 loose. By by four, my cameramen are I don't know what they're filming. They're off yeah. in the corner just like shooting stuff, like that. Oh, this is pretty, let's shoot that. The whole thing kind of went off the rails. But um but the truth cam was always there. The truth cam actually saved that whole segment because my actual cameraman kind of crapped the bed. So because I have a whiskey show where drinking, editing is very important to me. So I don't look stupid. So, you know. You guys uh, edit this thing? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys yeah. got that technology? Yeah. So you'll be in it a lot. Mm. It, I might not even be in the same shirt. But if I say something stupid, you'll hear you say uh, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll hear me say something that doesn't even fit, but it sounds amazing. Oh, terrific. Man. Like I'll like when you watch this, you'll hear me say, actually, Mike, let me correct you. The <laughs> 1944 law states, Good. you know what I mean? And, Good. um, so I just, I Good. can't, I, I really look forward to I think listening my, to this. I think you. my listeners want to want me to be the person I pretend I am. How many of those do you have, by the way? <laughs> listeners. Well, they're in this room. I mean, aside from the dozen here, we got. Could... Thank you for that because uh, I don't get to do a lot of pat on the on the back. We are uh, officially global now. Uh, we just cracked seventy thousand downloads uh, so far, and we average four thousand downloads uh, per episode per month. Um, well, there you go. So it's growing, and for whiskey. 
Yeah. Uh, and you Prox just named us top 10 whiskey or our spirits podcast to listen to. That's so great, I know I'm proud of what we do, but it's because we, and, and see, this is a backhanded compliment. I mm-hmm. think um, it's because we have people like you on the show that give a shit, Mike. And I think that's what the people. So can I tell you this and take this as a compliment? Two things happen because of um, because of you with our show. Um, one, and when you listen to the intro music of Cast Chasers, it doesn't sound like the intro to uh, the way I heard it. But I took that clip of that guitar strum, right? Yeah. And I brought that to uh, a friend of ours who's a musician, and I said, "Take this. Don't copy it because I don't have a legal team." Um, but use this to uh, to basically inspire you to make our intro, and then our intro was born from that. And then our format is to play, be the guy that doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So when I interview a distiller or when I interview somebody in the business, you can't help but osmosis learn everything there is to know. Right. But just to be the person, and it's, it's because of the way we watch your show, and that's what Mike does. When Mike goes to do a job, it's okay to not know. It's okay to to fumble and whatever we try to do that with people on the show. And I think that's what works. I think we, we take the perspective of the newcomer. Well, it all works as long as it's authentic. So if you're going to be an expert, you better be a damn good expert, right? Mm. If you're going to, if you're going to set the bar high, you know, I remember years ago, um, Bear Grylls was a friend of mine and you know, he had a yeah, pretty, me too. Yeah, you, you better go back. No, no. <laughs> No, no. Bobby Johnson, you know him? Guy out of Philly? Bobby Johnson, sure. BJ, we called him. Yeah, we're going to throw names around. Yeah, terrific. (laughs) Bear Grylls had a show called uh, Man Vs. Wild. Mm, Heard of it. And so he came right out of the gate on that that show telling you that he had information that could save your life. Hmm. This is basically, it's an entertainment show, but... He had information, right? I'll, I'll teach you how to drink your pee, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, and so, okay, that's what the show was, and people loved it. And um, Dirty Jobs had a mission statement, too. Um, and my mission statement said, um, how'd it go? My name's Mike Rowe. This is my job. I explore the country looking for people who aren't afraid to get dirty, hardworking men and women who do the kinds of jobs that make civilized life possible for the rest of us. Now, if you... If you really look at what I just said and think about it, what did, I, what did I promise you? I promised you I would travel. I promised you I would look for people, mm-hmm. not find them, just look for them mm-hmm. who were willing to get dirty. That's mm-hmm. it. That's the whole show. It's like the degree to which we try to manage expectations on that show was really important to the show that followed because, you know, when it was revealed later that, that Bear Grylls had actually, you know, not slept in the bivouac or the the hammock over the waterfalls, but actually went to like yeah. a resort. Right? Remember that? He so had me. He got He had me. That yeah. that was a problem mm. when that happened. And it's not because he did anything wrong. That's how most TV shows get made. But if if what you do on your show doesn't match what you said you're going to do at the top of your show, then you're in trouble. And people will forgive a lot, but they, they won't forgive a hypocrite, right? And so it doesn't matter where you set the bar, high, low, somewhere in between. Just do the thing you say you're going to do. Yeah. And they'll have you back for 20 years or so. You can't hide behind the bottle. No, you can't. Yeah. Or inside it. And, yeah. um, 
look, it doesn't matter if it's a podcast. It doesn't matter if it's a TV show. It doesn't matter if you're a writer. And it doesn't matter if you're making F-150s or Tennessee whiskey. Tell the truth about what it is you think you know and then let, let people see you try. That's, you know, that, that's a tough lesson to learn. You know, because when my mother called me to tell me to go out and do something that looked like work, you know, I had spent 15 years prior to that impersonating a host. I was a total bullshitter. I was good at it. Yeah. I could hit my mark. I could say my line. You don't know how much QVC crap I have because of you. <laughs> Dude, I mean, that I learned every single thing I needed to know in the three years I spent at QVC. And, um, but I also had to forget all of that after going into the sewer. I got lucky, man. I got, I got, I was reborn, baptized in a river of shit. Literally. And, and had that not literally. happened. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Literally. Yeah. 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 Thanks. First off, um, thanks for giving my kid who's in the room today, the best fatherly advice he's ever going to get. Um, mm, sure. And I'm glad it, and, and if it couldn't come from me, I'm glad it came from you. Um, What's what, your kid's name? Jackson. He's right there. Good luck, brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good luck, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's destined. Yeah. Sorry you got this guy to be here. Um, no, he's, he'll be all right, I'm sure. Genetically, it's all. He'll be fine. How many you got? Four. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. You know, yeah, Statistically. Gotta, it's, yeah. Somebody's going to work yeah, out okay. Yeah, yeah, um, Somebody's going to be great and somebody's not. And right. that's uh, we've accepted that. And maybe I'm the one that's not great. So that's fine, too. Uh, I have a great wife, wonderful wife, amazing woman, great kids. And then there's me. Oh, and we have uh, a cat. Pretty good, too. Um, I'm the only failure. Um, Mike, I, when I came on, I, I, you're the, probably the first interview I've done that I didn't taste the whiskey before I did it. Oh, really? You hit me in the chest just now with the pure honesty, transparency and cast chasers. That's what we're about. Transparency and honesty. When I bring somebody on the show, I want to know that I like the whiskey. They ship me a bottle. They send me a sample. I go out and get it, whatever I need to do. I, I, and I hate giving you this compliment because it sounds like I'm kissing ass and that's just because you signed the back of my shirt doesn't mean I have to, but did you see what I wrote on it by the way? Yes. Yeah. Don't wash. Uh, uh, don't yeah, wash yeah, me. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Which it wasn't going to happen anyway, but I mean, look, a lot of guys wouldn't of have the balls thing. to wear their pajamas to yeah, a podcast, yeah. but I mean, I think what you've I, done here is amazing. I picked this shirt for you. Um, my kid tried to dress me differently. I refused. Um, you gotta be proud, Jackson. You gotta be proud, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good thing I'm not smart enough to pick up on those things. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I didn't taste it, but I I trust you, and I don't know you, but that show, that your book, your you know, you could fake all that. We made a joke before you got here. I hope he pulls up in a Bentley with a fur <laughs> coat on and he's yelling at some intern. <laughs> That'd be amazing because you know she brought the wrong sparkling water. You know I don't know you, but Dude, from, I rolled out of an yeah. of a Uber <laughs> like a regular Uber. The guy went to the wrong hotel. Mm-hmm. Couldn't come over to where we were staying. No, couldn't find it. Had to walk. To the wrong hotel, get in the Uber, got here. We basically just tucked and rolled yeah. and then stumbled into a place called Drug City. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all in about Baltimore. the glamour. In, so, yeah, in you Dunford. know, yeah, FBI should is here somewhere, so you're safe. Um, they knew you were coming. Um, but anyway, my point is you're the first person I've interviewed in over 100 episodes that I didn't taste the whiskey beforehand. And my hope was, A, I couldn't get my hand on it, so there's no poem there. You know, it's just I just mm-hmm. couldn't get my hands on it before I came here. Um, but two, 
it was I just I just trusted. So I let just, me ask you something. I, honestly, I, I trusted the story. Honest question. Yeah. What would you do? I mean, I'm assuming you keep drinking it, so I'm assuming you like it. Mm-hmm. I already have the answer. I know what you're going to ask. Go what for if, it. What if you didn't? What if it tasted like ass? I've I've had this conversation before, and the answer I gave kindly. I'm not going to be an asshole, right? Um, is the answer I gave, and I have one episode, and you can listen to that listener, which means you have to go find it yourself. Where there was a whiskey that I wasn't a fan of, um, but there's always something. First off, you have there's a lot of things to get through to get whiskey out the door, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's hard to just put you can't dye it anymore you can't put boot polish in it you can't do those things anymore unfortunately <laughs> um because of laws and the prohibition and whatnot so i told him i said it's young it's got some work to do but there's definitely opportunity here and i'm looking forward to seeing what you can make of this so you went political i went political um which is the right answer because if he cares and he keeps going and he takes that feedback and utilizes it he can make a good whiskey, um, picking the right barrel, picking the right team, picking the right people, and putting mm-hmm. it in the bottle. You don't need me to tell you it's crap. Right. The consumers are going to tell you. Um, but I took a chance. I really, really did, Mike. I took a chance. Think we actually talked about this to the to my team. What if it, what if you hate it? Right. Do you are going to tell Micro you hate his whiskey? Who was I outside with? It was with you. It was with. Uh, yeah, I said uh, I said that right. I said I would make something up on the spot, but I'm going to be honest. I have to be honest. Thank you gotta God. you got to be honest. Well, thank God. It's right. good. Because good. if it wasn't, Mike, this was going to be a very strange... We're going to have to black and white this film. Well, it would have been a very short seedy. conversation, for it sure. It would have been. Yeah. It would have nice been. Nice to meet you. I'll sign your shirt and yeah. wish your kid good luck. Yeah, and good luck leaving. with your crap-ass yeah. whiskey, Mike. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I maybe like, get back on the crabbing boat because this is not your thing. Yeah. <laughs> see, in my world, in my world, it's like I I used to go see a lot of theater. You know, when I was living here, in fact, and I would you know see all kinds of plays. And you know, my dad did a lot of plays, and he had friends that did a lot of plays. And you know, my mom and I would go, and we'd you'd see what you see. And sometimes you know, some amazing local productions that are stunningly good. And then there's some amazing local productions that are stunningly not good, right? Yeah. And so, what do you say? You know, they come off stage and they're like, well, "What'd you think? What'd you think?" And uh, that's like one of my earliest memories is of my mother, who is who's incapable of saying an unkind word, said to this guy, friend of my dad's, who was just terrible. She she said, "Well, Steve, you've done it again." <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Dana. You can say that from now. Which I just thought was great. When I asked my wife if I'm gaining too much weight, she says, you know, no, you look great. You're handsome. I love you. But if you want to go on a diet together, we can. Political. Mm -hmm. If I ask my doctor the same question, he's very honest. I think I try to find the road in between when I'm telling somebody I care about their honest opinion. Mike, you've got a great whiskey here. I, I love it. I think it's delicious. I've had both now. I am looking forward to what comes next. I think... I think you've got a good thing going, and Thanks. I hope you keep up with it. I love your charity. I love what you stand for and everything you're about. I think I speak for everybody when I say that. Um, I wish I had more time with you, man. I wish I, I wish I did, but I don't. What what yeah. time is it exactly in it's, real time? Uh, right now? I got a, it's three. You got a train to catch, and that is not a uh, metaphor. That is oh. 
Yeah, what time is it? No, we got plenty of time. I got, it's like, it's I like got, 4 o'clock. I'm I got good. whiteboards being held up to me that it's time time limits. Wrap, wrap up. up. Oh, wow. You got, a, you got a guy with a wrap it up sign? Yeah. That's, here, let me see that for a second. Yeah. Let's see, this is, <laughs> this is the level of transparency that I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, it's like it's, you should really leave it if you're Can if we you, be really transparent, watching, Mike? Yeah. I have a fault, and you probably picked up on this. No. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, bad parent. What if he starts to name bad parenting, uh, hygiene, overweight, you don't wash your... No, Mike, That's I didn't know about those things, but um, I have a fault where I talk too much, and I can't land the plane. Oh. I, I, I ramble. I don't let my guest answer their questions. <laughs> um, I, well, <laughs> this is... You've got a bright future in podcasting, I yeah. can tell you that. So when I'm doing those things, my team tell me. Team, how do you tell me? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah. So see, in the corner of my eye, when I see this, I go. That's that's terrific. Yeah. I, honestly, look, you as a as a device, it's fine. But as a as a mechanism to really let your listeners understand, mm. it's confessing all of this. Sure. It's not apologizing for it. It's just saying, look, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, because you're figuring it out as you go. Yeah. Your crew's figuring it out, right? Yeah. This this guy you depended on, now he's having babies, and now you got to figure out what to do without him, sort of. But and I got him working again. But look, I'll tell you what I like about what you're doing. Um, titles matter, right? In the same way that um, mission statements matter. And your podcast is called Cask Chasers, mm-hmm. not Cask Finders. Not cask makers, not cask experts, right? Yeah. It's sort of like the difference between happiness and the pursuit of happiness. It's not about finding the perfect dram. It's on the chase. That's right. That's our end. Oh, know? is it? Re- oh, yeah. well, then, never mind. Yeah. I'm just telling you a bunch of shit you already know. No, but it, you saying it, you no, but saying it, 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 it solidifies it. <laughs> yeah. Time yeah. for the barrel rise. What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got some. Uh, you've already. You've. You, uh, can oh, we? Right? Yeah. I know what this is. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, this is. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I, I love this too. Who can? Uh, who can? Look at that. Look at this is happening right now. Boy, if you're not watching this, what you're missing is the top of a barrel appears and, to be levitating. And Mike, Mike, you said transparency. Yeah. Mike and I can't see this. This is green screen. This is 100. percent Oh no, no, it's here. It's really here. Yeah, that's, look at that. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? There's a buffalo on top of a barrel that has some sort of hydraulic lift built into it that reveals my grandfather's whiskey as it rises into the air. I don't. I don't. If it gets much better than this, I don't are we zooming know into it. that and then fading to black and then? Wait a minute. You have the ability to zoom in and fade to black. I don't know what he can do. He's uh, he's a talented man. We have drones. We can't use them in here, but no, they're, that, they're existing. That, that'd be ill-advised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, I uh, we do have to wrap it up. I understand. Because editing, um, and because your team's looking at me. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. You, Thanks for uh, having Keep me. doing what you're doing, man. It's a, it's absolutely. You don't need me to tell you that. No, I actually, the, I, seriously, I'm. I love this business. I'm learning more and more every day. I'm really encouraged by the feedback that we've had, especially from people like you who pretend to know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, matters, yeah. and. Um, and 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 thanks for the opportunity. Honestly, yeah. I'll uh, I'll be back with the next uh, iteration. Cannot wait. Excellent, Mike. Let's do that that cheesy handshake at the end of the show. Like we're running for office. Good luck, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a wrap. <laughs>